Here we go. <laughs> Off top. Every living thing on Earth is uh, evolved from one single cell organism. Here. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. Welcome to the Dominique Foxworth Show. Clearly, I hadn't looked up an off top before the show started, so I was pulled from other weird things that pop into my head. We are joined by the great Mina Kimes, as we have been routinely on Fridays. And of course, Charlie's here. You ever think about how what we see may not be actually what is there? And how our no, you know, no, I, I used to think about that a lot. Uh, I like more, you were like young and my stonery teenage years. I'm not high. What if everyone sees the world differently? I'm not high. I just started reading a couple of years ago because I played football. That's <laughs> <laughs> the difference between me and you. Hey, Mina, here we go. Hi. Yeah, I mean, I I too watched the Matrix series <laughs> as, as a high school. It's an entirely different concept. Not that we're living in a simulation that oh, our eyes can only see certain things and that our brains are actually sending more messages to our eyes than our eyes are sending to our brain. So we are really interpreting what we're seeing rather than seeing what we're seeing. So like if there's different colors that we can't see, there's different things we can't see. It's just weird that comes to my head because I'm not on drugs. You know who's going to be able to relate to that this weekend? C.J. Stroud, because the <laughs> Ravens' defense makes you think you're seeing one thing, and then it's really another thing. Man, there is only one best in the business. Please stop, we, stop wasting Mina's time, Dominic. And we got her here. <laughs> we got her here. There's nothing more important than this game this weekend. I do want to. There's a lot on that game, but I do want to let. I do want to start with Bills Chiefs, just for the narrative perspective of this, because there's a ton. Damn, overruled the segue. Yes, okay. overruled. <laughs> overruled. No, 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 you're, that's fair. The Bills Chiefs is the is the game. If we yeah. rank them by juice, that is certainly the juiciest <laughs> of juices. Mm -hmm. Juice. All right, go ahead, Charlie. What's your question? Okay, so this is a this is a big narrative game for a lot of reasons. I feel like the Allen Mahomes thing has been at the center of the NFL universe since the 13 second game, but these are very different teams. We're nearing the end of a first bills run because of an aging roster and injuries. Um, but Josh Allen is playing better than ever. Mahomes has a different cast than he has in prior Super Bowl years. Uh, maybe the one that's been a less effective offense for most of the season, but they rolled the dolphins in the wild card round. I do want to ask you guys, though, because he's lost to Mahomes twice. Is this Josh Allen's best chance to beat the Chiefs in a playoff game? When I watch the Bills play, mm. I say, um, man, Patrick Mahomes is going to beast. And then I go and watch the Chiefs play, and I'm like, ugh, this is going to be rough for Patrick Mahomes to get anything done. Because I think that... We have to give a lot of credit. Mina and I talked about this. Uh, this might have just been a text conversation a couple weeks ago about how uh, well Sean McDermott, former safety, has done coaching up this defense in the area in which they had a lot of injuries. Their secondary, the safeties are back now. Mm -hmm. But that was when we were watching, that was the group that was powering their improvement. It was like this injured group that's just playing really well in that situation. And I would assume that Patrick Mahomes would be able to exploit it, but I rewatched that game from when they played earlier in the season, and I saw, yeah, I saw Patrick Mahomes uh, making good plays, making the Patrick Mahomes plays, but guys not being able to make catches in tight windows, and also Patrick Mahomes kind of pressing. So, uh, to answer your question, is it his best chance? Well, I would think that maybe it's unfair to say that when they were up 
<laughs> with 13 seconds to go. That was his best chance to win. <laughs> but I get what you're saying. The point you're making is, is this the weakest Chiefs team uh, that he is going to face? But it's it's the best Chiefs defense that he's going to face. So I, I don't know. I'll, I'll come up with an answer at the end of this after Mina tells me what to think. Stumped you. Uh, well, and I think, Charlie, it's also, you know, they're playing at home, which is yeah. this. They haven't had the opportunity in the playoffs. So that obviously makes the chance a little bit better. I think you got to start from kind of if the game plays out the way it did in week 14, if the Chiefs look like they did, the Bills should win. So you have to start from the place. Okay, what's potentially different? Because that was offensively really hard to watch. Obviously, it was the Darius Tony game, but their mistakes abounded, not just penalties, route running, drops. I'm sorry. Which Kadarius Tony game? (laughs) I just want to give Charlie room because I knew as soon as you said the Kadarius Tony game that Charlie was going to be like, huh? are you sure you're not talking about the first game of the season was the Kadarius Tony game? Okay. I thought the wild card game because they didn't make him active was the Kadarius Tony game when anyway. the Chiefs actually scored points. Anyway, get back to your point, Beat. I'm sorry. The, the Kadarius Tony offsides game as mm. opposed to the Kadarius Tony drops game or the Kadarius Tony inactive game. Is this is <laughs> the game that he lost in the in the final waning seconds of the game. Um, there are some things that are different. Do you offensively? Uh, so uh, one of which is Isaiah Pacheco did not play that week. I he I think he is a difference maker for them and for everything that flows out of their run game. Man, times have changed. Listen to me. Isaiah Pacheco is a difference for this. You know, running backs do matter, but he does <laughs> yes. matter. And I think you see that. Um, you certainly saw that on display in week 14. And then I think, so Rasheed Rice by then had already emerged as the wide receiver one. He got the bulk of the targets. Um, so... In some ways, you can't say, well, now that they, they, Rishi Rice is there, he was already the receiver one. However, the way that they've used him has continued to evolve week to week. And what really jumped out to me, Dominique, in week in, in the wild card round was sort of the expansion of his route tree. Now he is like the deep over guy in a way that he, he wasn't earlier, certainly earlier in the season. And uh, that has been their most explosive option by far him ball in his hands downfield um, presents some issues potentially against a bill's defense that might be missing Taron Johnson. Who's their very, very good slot corner Uh, linebacker injuries are a question mark. I know we keep saying with the bills, this is it. This is the injuries. They're too much on defense and I keep being wrong but this might be the game where I feel like those injuries, particularly those injuries at those positions finally hit them in a way that makes uh, their defense vulnerable to the Chiefs in a way that they actually weren't even earlier in the season. I was disappointed in the Bills defense last week, honestly, like in that game, because I had been seeing them play well against tougher opponents, or at least what I viewed as tougher offenses. So I was like, all right, it's going to be a cakewalk. And they got turnovers, which helped, but they didn't shut down Mason Rudolph and, uh, and Najee and the Steelers offense in the way that I expected him to, which gave me some pause because part of the reason why I've, it's taken me a long time to come around to believe in this team. But part of the reason I believe in it is because their defense has been playing so well and they've been playing well in a way that I felt was sustainable. Uh, and to see it kind of fall apart, well, not fall apart, that's not fair, but to see them struggle against an inferior unit while at home with a quarterback who has been given up on twice already by now just made it kind of concerning for me for their defense, especially going up against Patrick Mahomes. If we flip it the other side, um, well, I won't flip it just yet. I'll leave it there because it looks like 
As always, when I start talking, Mina makes faces. That makes me think no, she has some insight. No, I agree insight. with you. I, I, I felt Oh, no, the no, they're way. not disagreeable faces. It's just like, like a light bulb face. No, I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I think we've, you and I have had this kind of ongoing dialogue on my podcast about the Bills defense and how impressed we are and how Sean McDermott deserves a ton of credit for the work he's done with them, the way they use disguise and coverage, the way they've played the run, the Dallas game comes to mind. Um, but it, it really is like a Jenga tower and you keep taking away blocks. And I think this, that's just my concern. I, I think we'll see what the injury report looks like. It's such a cop out for me to be like, I'm holding off on the pick until I see the injury report. But I actually really think this bill's defense, um, the injuries are going to pile up. And, and then on the other side of the ball, I'll flip it. The chief's defense is healthy, man. They're healthy. And they looked awesome in the wild card round against granted a Miami offense that was, you know, struggling with the weather and all of that as well. But like the physicality those dudes play with what a turnaround for a unit that just three years ago missed like 20 tackles versus the Bengals. Uh, I trust this bill chiefs defense almost as much as any unit in the playoffs, frankly, yeah. at this point, which is pretty remarkable. I can't think of a unit that I trust more than that uh, defense right now. And I'm sure that Ravens you, defense was that the Ravens defense. Yeah, I I'd still That's have fair. them above. Yeah, yeah, I go Ravens defense above them. Um, the we're talking about safety plays. We're talking about the Chiefs defense. I'm sure at some point uh, Mina has lost her mind over the disguises that mm. the uh, Chiefs the two defense. To one to two. Oh, yeah. They went from. From pre-snap looking like cover two with safeties on opposite sides of the field to at the snap looking like cover one with like one safety in the whole player and one in the middle to during the play cover two again with the safeties having switched halves of the Go. field. This is something, <laughs> this is like play around and practice foolishness that we would do when we were messing around, pitching stuff to the coach. It reminds me, honestly, of when the Chiefs offense is at their best and they're Everyone doing weird, the yeah, they're doing weirdo <laughs> Where they're like, hey, we're too good. Let's let's try out something new. And the Chiefs defense have gotten to that point where they are doing freaky stuff. And that resulted in an interception. Can I'm not sure a, how much it caused the interception, but it, there was a pick in that play. Can I give you a counter uh, counterpoint that is elite football analysis and 100% irrefutable? Josh right. Allen is a monster. <laughs> <laughs> and like you can switch the coverages yeah. all you want. Yeah, He's playing at an incredibly elite level, which he <laughs> always does in the playoffs. And he's going to run over people. That part is what scares me. Yeah. I don't think he's playing at an elite level right now. I think he's been a little bit up and down, to be honest, as, yeah. a, as a thrower of the football. But as a runner of the football, I don't think it can be stated how impactful he is and how hard he is to defend when he has the football. I don't care if he, he, he can do the fake slide or not. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that, it don't I matter. That, by the way. I didn't I hate know, the fake yeah, slide as much as I hated him after having that big run doing a last second slide and drawing a penalty on it. That was like, come on, Josh. But I mean, you do what you got to do, get a playoff win. I love Josh Allen. He's like the biggest quarterback left. He's gigantic. He's built like a linebacker. And he um, with like the. This this is going to sound like hate. It's not hate. He does call for he yeah. flops. I'll yeah. just say it. He flops. Yeah. And so does. So does uh, 15. So I want to be clear. Yes. Both of these right. quarterbacks, elite flopper, elite quarterbacks, elite floppers. Game's the game. Both yeah. know the rules. 
The problem, yes. the problem, the difference though is Josh He's Allen. Huge. Josh Allen looks like Shaq flopping, which <laughs> which throws us a little off. And through the course of the game, he'll run through a. Uh, uh, the, or a linebacker and then do a, a flail back, which like, I get it. I would do the same thing to get that penalty, but it don't mean I have to like it. And it's Patrick gotta be Mah- infuriating. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes a is a quality flopper too, but he did get his helmet cracked, which was a, a little bit mm-hmm. scary. As a def- I know. I'm sorry. I'm hijacking this. No, 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 it's, it's not nothing to hijack. Just a combo. Okay. If you were a DB, hmm? which would infuriate you more? The moss, human monster truck, Josh Allen, rumbling by and then fake between head fake and then maybe getting hit and then looking at the ref. Yeah. Or so that's one infuriating scenario or Patrick Mahomes tiptoeing past you the way I walk by my baby's bedroom when I'm afraid even the slightest sound will wake him up at night uh, with his arms in the air. Yes. And then sticking out the ball at the last second to get. (laughs) You know, eight yards when he needs seven and then running by. Which of those two things is more infuriating? They are, I guess the question is which one would upset me more because I would have different emotions because the Josh Allen one would make me mad. The Patrick Mahomes one would frustrate me. (laughs) (laughs) But And I think I'd probably be more angry than I would be frustrated by Patrick Mahomes because honestly, I might, okay, you're going to get the first down one way or the other because you're Patrick Mahomes. Get it by running. Don't get it by throwing it to the guy that I'm guarding. (laughs) Josh Allen rumbling down the field. Uh, it's just like, and then and but then doing a slide. It's, it's the like, it's the pure sight of it with Mahomes. He yeah. look, he looks like a little yeah. kid who's wearing his dad's shoes that are way too big, so he has to bring his knees up way too high. It's like he runs like a like a duckling in those in those gifts. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I I I uh, I know I was talking about the physicality of the Chiefs' defense. Like the Chiefs' defense is like, oh, Isaiah Pacheco is like, oh, and then Patrick Mahomes is like. <laughs> and I love the contrast. It creates the same problem, though. Both of these quarterbacks present um, the same issue, which is you, if you play man coverage against them, they'll punish you for it. If you turn your back on either quarterback, they'll, and, and that's, I think, a massive factor in this game. The um the last time they played, I felt like was a, a, a big Joe Brady game to me mm. because I, I noticed that the answer sometimes is, oh, let me go back to this point that I wanted to make a second ago. Moving to coverages and confusing Tua will result in something different than if you move the yeah. coverage and confuse Josh Allen because of that running ability. Mm-hmm. And I think that Tua, it could be an errant pass. It could be a uh, hold on too long in a sack. It could be an interception. With Josh Allen, he's going. you might end up setting yourself up for him buying time out of the pocket, making a big play, or running your, your um, defensive lineman over. Someone has to have eyes on him. No one has to have eyes on Tua Tagovailoa, and I mean the Chiefs played like a fair amount of cover two man. You can't play cover yeah. two man against Josh Allen. That's a death net. So yes, that's a great point, Dominique. Like, all the stuff that Spagnuolo does on yeah. the back end um, presents a risk because of Josh Allen as a runner. Now it's on the front end that I'm intrigued by. Like if you're Spags, he has actually blitzed Josh Allen at a higher rate than he blitzes other quarterbacks, which I find fascinating. (laughs) We talked about this. I love, I love and hate how you and I think the exact same way. Cause that's the point I was going to get to was that this is why I said it was a Joe Brady game because what I was impressed by in the last game was Joe Brady had answers for the blitz. And you know, I point out all the time is like the answers to the blitz can't be five yards to get them to stop. They have to be big plays. And his answer to the blitz were to overload, to do the wide receiver screens, to overload the zone blitzes. Cause there were a lot of zone blitzes that like are kind of like matchup zones, but uh, they don't go over cause they want to disguise the blitz and also get it to cook. 
and that same touchdown to Cook was against the Blitz. Mm-hmm. There's a, a number of big plays where it's like, all right, we're going to make it easy for you, Josh. If they send an extra guy, find Cook. And I'm sure that's, that Spags has seen that and has an answer for it. So the answer to the answer is going to be fun for me. Mm-hmm. What, what, I was going to say, I mean, you'd be very proud. I brought up on our, on our Monday night record that oh. Spags has actually been far more effective blitzing yes. Josh Allen statistically than All other right. defensive Love coordinators that. in Fair the point. league. Fair Thank point. You. Well, well done. So proud. Um, and he was, he's been more effective, but I noticed in that game that they were prepared for it in a way that a lot of teams are not. Okay. So uh, in that game, so I'll be interested to see what Spags does to answer it because he has to assume. And it was it, it was also like eye discipline of their players because that's not something you normally have to worry about. A late a back that's late out against the blitz because normally you're blitz and the blacks, back's going to stay in. And it was stuff like that that I saw that was like, ah, hmm, this is cool. And it, it, it led to a couple blown coverages because if you do – uh, a quick like zone blitz lesson is like we call it zone blitz, but oftentimes it's a man and, and some of it's like a matchup man because you're expecting it to come out quickly. So like it's you're counting from the outside in. No matter who the number one is, if it's a tight end or running back, the corner's gonna have him. You're counting from the outside in. So if you go four by one and you have a defensive lineman dropping on the opposite side, he can't get there. Or you have a linebacker who's not accustomed to doing these things, he can't get there. So these are ways that teams try to attack it. And it was one of the things that that the Bills did in the, that first matchup. The, the scene ball was when they, I don't know, did they motion mm-hmm. Cook into a four-by-one formation? So, no, Cook, which, yeah. Cook was on the left side, and they motioned. Okay, sorry, it was someone uh, else. Yeah, they motioned, I think it might have been Shakir, across Shakir, yeah. Yeah, for like a what looked like a jet sweep while Josh was yeah. in shotgun, and they already had a tight end on that side. So, and they just flooded that side, and Cook went up the seam untouched. Well, that that jumped me, jumped at me because that's what the Chiefs do so mm-hmm. often uh, is mm-hmm. motion into quads. And when Joe Brady did that, it was like, oh my god, because you just did, the Bills don't, you know, like it was right. like t- very Chiefs like. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting though, Dominic. I actually think like that was when that game happened. I was like, oh my god, Joe Brady, and then the Cowboys game. Since then, I, I, I do want to emphasize this Bills offense has not. They've had ups and downs right. since then. Um, Josh Allen, the runner was fantastic. Khalil Shakir went off against Pittsburgh, but it was not an overwhelming offensive performance at all. And this Chiefs defense is much better than the Pittsburgh defense. So I just, you know, I, I feel like it really feels like Josh Allen's going to have to like put on the cape in this game for them to, I know they're favorites, but I, and I know they won last time. I just think he's going to have to have one of those crazy, explosive balls, the runs, uh, because I just think the Chiefs defense actually does match up well with them. Yeah, so your point about the Superman thing is you normally, teams that aren't as good as the Bills, that was kind of the problem, was teams that weren't as good as Bills would get Josh Allen to try to do the Superman thing, and that's how they would win because he would make those mistakes. But you're right. This is a game where, given everything that's wrong with his team, Josh is going to justifiably have to do some amazing uh, things and I think that might as much as we talk about all this stuff in the game that might be well, if he's able to do that consistently he, or not it's he does different. consistently do it in the playoffs is the crazy thing like over what has now become a reasonably large sample of half a decade you put him in the tournament in single elimination he runs more he throws fewer interceptions and he's like I mean he's like 270 yards 60 rushing yards a game three total touchdowns it seems like that is where he's at pretty Most much all the quarterbacks. Time go absolutely nuclear in the like some of them don't Josh Allen runs more scary. but Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes has scrambled more yeah. this season than ever before by the way 
uh, which makes sense given that he's yeah. kind of had to. But like I'm telling you, we talk about Josh Allen and his willingness to run more, both designed runs and scrambles um, in the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes will do the same thing, man. That mm-hmm. dude's going to run against this Bills. I mean, I, the Bills defense will probably play a lot of zone. Um, so, you know, there won't be like, I, I, we'll see what the Chiefs defense does. But when they turn their backs, I'm telling you, he will take off with the football. The Taron Johnson injury is going to be a big one, too, because like the the mm. answers for Kelsey and Rice, I think Taron Johnson would absolutely have to be in both of those uh, strategies and finding a way to manufacture a deep threat, which is, you know, something that I always talk about is those only offenses I really respect is someone that re- that has the ability to make uh, to run past you. And since they don't seem to trust the players that they have with that type of speed, they're doing these deep overs and they're trying to find ways to manufacture a vertical stretch when they don't have one that, that scares people. So uh, this is definitely probably the weakest. I, I feel bad saying it's the weakest chiefs team that we've seen in a while because their defense is so good. Like they are really good. But, it's the weakest offense. That's yeah. fair though. No, I know that. it's the weakest offense, but I guess I'm thinking yeah. about the team as a whole. Um, is the defense good enough to compensate? And I, I guess my answer would be no. And the defense is not good enough to compensate for how bad the offense are if we're comparing it to previous teams, previous Chiefs teams. So even though the defense is the best it's been, I still think this is probably the weakest Chiefs team that we're going. So to go back to the original question, this uh, Bills team ain't that strong either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. It's just going to be a fun game, and it might pan out very differently mm-hmm. than what we imagined when we have quarterback showdowns. It might be a lot different. Nah, they're both going to go off. Um, all right, guys, let's move on to the NFC, what I think is like on the football field, probably the most interesting game of this weekend, which is 49ers and Packers. Um, you know, Packers in the wild card round, they took the ball first. They went down. They scored. They made the Cowboys play from behind. That's interesting when they are going up against the 49ers, a team that likes to front run and use the running attack and play, uh, play with the lead. So I ask you, with how well Jordan Love is playing, probably playing better than any quarterback in the NFC left at this point. How surprising would it be to you if the Packers upset the 49ers this weekend? Very surprising because the Packers defense stinks. I know that they're coming off of a good game. I know that even the last end of the season, but they're not, they're not only bad and they've not only been bad all year, they've been bad in all of the ways that the Niners should be able to exploit the middle of the field, the run. I mean, it's just matching up with tight ends. It doesn't, it does not bode well. Now, I think Jordan Love has the potential to move the ball on San Francisco. You know, that defense is not as dominant as they've been, and he's playing out of his mind. As Charlie, you you alluded to, the offenses are very similar in the conf- the way they put um, defenders in conflict as well. But he has a much, much harder challenge than Brock Purdy in this game, Dominique. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the way that he that they, if you think about a way a, a game script that they could win, it's an obvious one. Is we think about how good the 49ers are because we see them in the position where they are comfortable more often than not. So what they did to the Cowboys last week, you'd have to assume that they were able to do it again, and it's going to require a great deal of luck. So like them scoring, receiving the ball and scoring first. That could happen. That's realistic. That's a possibility. Then them stopping the one stop. Yeah. You need one stop and another but, score. But if you get that stop, 
and then you go down and score mm-hmm. again, which is hard to do. Then we're looking at a situation where I think that we got something. Yeah. We got a game because you give Jordan Love a two a two touchdown league. Then you give both of these teams who like to have the um run play run pass conflict as something to build their play action off of. And only one of these teams continues to have it, and they have a quarterback who can make incredible plays. And this is when you compare these two quarterbacks. Like this, it feels like a unfair thing to do given that Purdy's track record is a little bit longer but when you watch the games Jordan Love is is better <laughs> and you the things that he's capable of uh more consistently through the course of the season yeah. yeah and in that at this point in the season sometimes that's what it comes down to it's like who has the capability to do the special thing that's going to overcome the coaching and not that Purdy doesn't have that uh, it feels like Jordan Love, like we saw it last week, off his back foot against zero coverage, throwing dime passes with a man in his face to the back pylon of the end zone. Uh, and it's he's had a shorter career, so it feels more concentrated than we have from Purdy, so it feels more likely to happen. But I think that's the only recipe for it is to work, is once you take that pressure off the defense, as they did last week, the, the um, run pass pressure off the defense, maybe they can play better. But yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the formula. Yeah, if, if you if you get them out to lead, we've seen the Niners' offensive statistics do fall off when they're trailing. They haven't been trailing very much this year, um, so that certainly matters. Because then, of course, you know, yeah, you're no longer dealing with the constant run pass. I mean, Chris, the, the Niners face more stacked boxes and single high than like any team in the NFL because of the runs and Christian McCaffrey. If you take that off of the table to some extent, um, it really helps, especially because I think that's where you actually the, the one maybe matchup advantage that the Packers defense do does have is outside of Trent Williams, the Niners offensive line is not great, uh, particularly right tackle McKivitz. Uh, so if Rashawn Gary versus Colton McKivitz is a matchup I like if you know that Brock Purdy is throwing the football and he has to hold on to it for any extent of time, I just find it hard to imagine that happening but it would have to it would have to be the way dominique describes also by the way it's supposed to be like a thunderstorm which i think could actually i might be wrong about that it's 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 gonna it's supposed to rain Purdy did struggle against uh cleveland i believe in the rain so that would be another potential wild card factor for me to make be a little bit less certain about uh, san francisco's ability to dominate on offense we don't need to spend as much time on this game as we did on the previous one because i don't know how how much interesting stuff we can dive into other than what Mina just laid out. But I, I will say that there's the matchup thing matters. Um, Alexander's ability to make plays and uh, remove some pressure from the rest of the defense by being able to take away Ayuk or Debo is, and, and also just generally it's, be hilarious. He's got to go out for the coin toss. <laughs> he has to go out for the coin toss yeah. in this can game. He be a, can he be the official player of the Dominique Fosworth show? I would love that. I would I love him so much. Adopt him in a minute. He's hilarious. But I mean, one thing I know about them is they so normally you get a team that's able to do a bunch of things like the 49ers defensive, excuse me, like the, um, the Ravens defensively. That's normally a good defense. But if you watch a bunch of Packers games, they are a, a, a defense that is multiple. And I think that comes in handy against a, a more stagnant offense. And I don't mean stagnant as far as motion and shifts are concerned. But while that is calculated in, I mean stagnant as far as like creativity is concerned. So like mm. if you look over the course of the year, that it seems like those are times when they have good defensive performances. Because while they're not great at anything defensively, they do enough defensive stuff that they're comfortable in a lot of different things. So if they know what you're going to do, I think it helps well, them. 
that's why they they matched up well with Dallas. Exactly. Um, yeah, Dallas, but Dallas was a, we line up, we do what we do offense. We're going to beat you. You know, this it's the same stuff you've been seeing from, and, you know, from Mike and, McCarthy and forever pants. and that, pants. but Green Bay Stop. had like a beat on, I mean, they were just jumping stuff. You know, they felt they were clearly not surprised by any of it. Oh yeah. That savage huh. interception was like, oh yeah, I've seen Dak yeah, right, throw right, this yeah. pass against the blitz so many times. And so have you Darnell. And so have you, and you knew it was coming and you took it to the crib. But I say all that to say that, the 49ers, they do similar concepts every week, but you're not going to know which concept I mean, they're doing yeah. until after it's done. Play, every play, exactly. <laughs> yeah. like, they use a lot of similar stuff, although Shanahan will innovate in the playoffs. Yeah. She says, crying as she remembers the double fake screen in, uh, in the wildcard game last year versus Seattle. Oh, that's sick. Um, oh. But... Um, the problem, it's not so much like that holistic, like, what is the game plan? It's like literally on every play, five things could happen. Right. Yeah. Five things. So you can't ever, you <laughs> and can't And there's try no tip. There's no tip yeah. by formation. There's no tip by, and even if you do get a tip, they're going to shift from it. Because you're like, oh, we're in this formation. We're expecting this. Nope. And they have people that are so dynamic that you're like, all right, when Debo's in the slot, we're expecting this. No, we're going to put Christian in the slot and do the same damn thing we would have done if Debo was there. Or we'll put Christian out wide and run the same route we would do if Ayuk was there. It's 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 and so it's simple for them. It's so hard for us. Yeah, then it's the sequence. Yes. Ugh. Like, oh, this play sets up this. They did this this time. You know, oh, he motioned out. He didn't get the ball. But the next time he gets the ball. But but again, Matt LaFleur does the same shit, dude. Yeah. Like, that's exactly. The, I was, the, 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 this is my main source of interest in this right. game. And they, neither of these teams want to get to third down offensively. It's like they play, mm. they play, uh, what is it, uh, Canadian football? To get to third down. No, I think, no, you could laugh it up, Vanilla Baby. However, it's the Eagles, baby. They're, no, they're, most offenses, I think, run their plays designed to get third and short or get third and medium. They're like, this is what we're going to do to get to a manageable third down. Kyle Shanahan. And Matt LaFleur are like, we don't want to get to third down. We have no desire to get to third down. We're going to throw and play action and take shots on first and second down. And then they get to third down and like, all right, we got a couple plays for this. But it's clear they get so much less creative and so much less interesting on third downs. Yeah, I bet if I sorted the uh, offenses by average depth of target on first, I'm like doing that right now. I bet on first down. It uh, if, be, uh, if it supports yeah. us, say it. If it doesn't, say that you lost your internet, even though we're still connected. I mean, just any Kyle Shannon quarterback average is like between 8.2 and 10 yards per attempt per season. So that alone <laughs> will validate your point. Yeah, that's certainly the case. Yeah, on first down, yeah, they're very high. So, well done. All right, guys. Big game this weekend for you two. We got Texans Ravens. Okay. CJ Stroud is playing really well. He is going up against a Ravens team that has been dominant this season that has barely trailed at any point when they had their actual you know team playing. Um, the Texans are the hot team with a very young quarterback, and they're going against a Ravens team and a quarterback in Lamar who has had some postseason struggles. Got a really original question for you here. How surprised would you be if the Texans upset the Ravens this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be pretty surprised if that happened. Surprised. Yeah. I think um, while C.J. Stroud, we don't need to yeah. we don't need to uh, grade him on a curve to be impressed with what he's doing this season. But I will say that his game last week was the numbers were better than the performance. 
Oh, you're wading into a spicy topic on the internet right now. Uh, I don't know if you, you're not really like online. Yeah, not, so you might I not have seen this. Oh, really? This discourse. Uh, I just uh, rewatched the game this morning and saw him uh, hit the safety in the face with the ball and then watched yeah. a lot of the other plays that seemed like they were scheme dependent and was like, great job. You're a rookie. So, awesome game. Okay. But some of this stuff is not is not you being special. Let me just tell you what happened. Okay. Uh, I guess PFF, and we're not here to debate PFF grades, okay. but they had Jordan Love with a very high, a much higher grade right. than CJ Stroud. JJ Watt saw this and was like, this is why PFF grades oh, suck. Gosh. You know, they had the same stats or whatever. And oh. this kicked off a whole argument about PFF grades, but also about these games. I'm with you. Like, I thought he was... that. CJ Stroud is it was my offensive play, rookie of the year. He's yeah. amazing. This wasn't his best game at, at all. And Jordan Love was better. It was yeah. fine. He's not a better quarterback. Like, I mean, maybe he will be. I don't know. But it's okay to acknowledge that it wasn't his best quarterback game of the season. He's awesome. Sorry. J.J. Watt is nothing he's not good at. Man gets in the media and he knows the right buttons to press. He to, really does. To, to, he is, yeah. To get him amped because that is a great button to press there because it it pits two very passionate groups against each other. It's like the... um Stroud boys? No, <laughs> not the Stroud boys. Just the general idea of uh, eye test guys. Or just like feel guys, which is like old fashioned football in like the newer generation of like analytics slash like uh, like uh, film crushers. It's very different watching that game because I felt different about him after I watched the film than I did. Yeah. Because when I watched the game, I'm like, God damn, CJ Stroud, you're so good. You're the man. Woo, 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 woo. And then I get a little distance and I look back and I, now let me actually look at all of these plays and analyze who deserves the, the credit or the blame. Jordan Love is like my film, like oh yeah, like I like I watch his tape like as a little treat to myself. <laughs> <laughs> like let me see the it's end like zone I view put it at the end. of it's this like, third down. If yeah, I get if I, I mean, get through yeah. this Bills tape, I will reward myself with some Jordan little, Love dimes. Love. <laughs> love is a treat to me. Um, yeah, uh, CJ Stroud's awesome, but the I think the, the scheme played a huge role. That was, I mean, again, Bobby Sloak, take a bat, who ironically, I guess, used to work for PFF, which was a whole oh, other layer okay. to this thing. Uh, take a bow because he cooked Jim Schwartz, cooked him uh, in a way that was very, very impressive. Unfortunately, I don't think he'll be able to cook this Ravens defense in the same yeah. way. And so the, it's almost like my take on this actual game is less like CJ Stroud is going to wilt more. So I don't think he will have the same schematic advantage against the Ravens because who are very different defensively from Cleveland. You have a, can you guys explain why when you watch the Stroud film, it was much less impressive because just on paper, sure. it's like it just on paper is the team that was number one defensively in DVOA for most of the season. And he went out in his first playoff game as a really young guy and ostensibly by the raw numbers and watching it on TV looked awesome. So he dropped I, like two picks, so let's yeah, start there. Yeah, yeah. Well, other yeah. than the Dak moments, That's, other than when he dashed. Uh, that was a well-delivered well joke there. Thank you. Uh, I, got, <laughs> I actually got a chuckle this time, which is good. <laughs> it was good. It was well-delivered. It's a um, win for me. Uh, so, I mean, I think I kind of did, where it felt like the big plays that he made, and not all of them, but some of the big plays that he made were like scheme-dependent. There was that one where the tight end, like, Robert, yeah, like and as good as the, I don't want to use. Call. Yeah. Such a good play call. I don't want to use home road stats as like a determinative factor, but the 
the Browns defense home and road are different. And in this mm-hmm. game, like they did not look like that defense that you're talking about. CJ Stroud was not like beating incredible defense. You know, it wasn't like making these ridiculous. And there were like that one deep one to Nico Collins was like, I give CJ Stroud a ton of credit for that. And it feels bad. Like I hate this position that you put me in where I have to explain why it was less impressive suggests that I'm saying that he's not good. Not at all. He was awesome. Rookie in that situation was great. But this is the difference to me is when I watched it, I was like, oh, damn, he got wide open. Wonder like how that happened. <laughs> and he, and CJ made the throw. But that's I mean, that's the difference to me. And when I watched the, the other game, I felt yeah. that he had some advantage. Like he had that throwback. This was uh, no gotcha, by the way. This yeah, is not yeah, like I a know. gotcha question. No, like I wasn't genuine. worried about yes. you get, getting me. I just hear myself, and it sounds like I'm being uh, a Stroud well, hater when I was really impressed. I think it. the lens we have to look at it through when we're trying to understand why this wasn't his best game of the season, whatever, is not like, what does this mean about C.J. Stroud? It's right. more, what does this mean for the next round mm-hmm. right. where he won't have, I believe, could be wrong, could be wrong, those schematic advantages. That's that, And I think that's where... When I was watching the the Texans tape, it really I was like, "Yo, Bobby Slowick was so deep in his bag in this game," and that again is not like CJ Stroud's amazing. He elevates the offense at times, but I don't think Slowick is going to be able to create those sorts of opportunities against Baltimore. I think that's where it becomes like relevant. It's not about you know a gotcha. It's not about evaluating yeah. him as a player. It's more just like match like game analysis in the next round. It's awesome. Let's talk about the I mean, Lamar. Let's yeah. talk about the Lamar of it all. Because I do want to ask, how important is it to you guys that he plays well in this game? Because there's obviously a world where you could play mediocre or poor and it could win easily. <laughs> very important. Emotionally, it's very important. Yeah, well, it's very important. <laughs> how important is it for the Ravens? <laughs> it's very important for everyone. Very, so yeah, we, um, we all need this as yeah, a country. Oh, we cannot. Otherwise, the, like, the, the civil war that one's due, <laughs> if Lamar has a clunker in the playoffs, uh yeah. You and might have to go into hiding. You might have to come to California. It's going to be like a la- post-apocalyptic, like the Last of Us scenario. I can't, I can't wait. We're all going to pick sides, <laughs> grab your weapons in your water. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it needs to happen. So, And I think it will happen. I think the, um, the major difference, and I've argued this, that NBA playoffs is a lot different from NBA regular season in ways that the NFL playoffs is not that different from the regular season. But yeah, the, the way players that, try in the NFL. <laughs> the way that it is different is I think the coaching and the strategy goes up a level. Um, and obviously the talent you're facing goes up a level. The reason why the coaching and strategy matters to me is because, and it's not just a Lamar point, it's a Ravens overall point, is you look at their offensive and defensive coordinators and strategies in the past. They were not complex. They were, you're going up against Wink. You know what Wink's going to do. You know what Wink wants to do. Um, and you remember that version of the Lamar offense, even as it developed, it still was like, all right, we watched this game, this film all season long. This is what they're going to do. And when you have people to start scouting and game planning weeks in advance and they're pulling out all their best tricks for that situation and you don't have another move or Another move after that move, you put your players in a tough situation. And I think that Lamar is situated now with the defense and the offensive coaching staff and the different uh, skills that they've shown through the course of the year, both sides of the ball, that he will not be in a position or he will be put in a position to succeed at some point in the game, even if it doesn't start off well. Yeah. um, 
there have been so many like in, in the playoffs, you know, his lack of success, you could point to every game and you can explain it. And a lot of times it wasn't his fault. You got receivers drops. The offense wasn't built the right way to take advantage of certain things. You know, he made, he made mistakes as well. I don't want to say it wasn't entirely, but it was easy for people like Dominique and I to, <laughs> to say, no, 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 like, you know, they, yeah. Brown actually catches that football or if there's guys who can win outside the numbers or whatever, this offense should win. They should be able to move the ball in Houston. Um, if Houston throws something different at them, they should be able to come up with a counterpunch in the way they haven't been in the past, the way they certainly weren't equipped to do in, in the 2019 MVP season. So it's going to, unless like, you know, I mean, it, 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 it this on first take, they love to do like, you know, who's under the most pressure. I actually do think it's Lamar, not just because of the playoff narrative, because I look at this team and I'm like, you are built to win it all. This is your year, man. Like this is your year. And going into this game, looking at the Texas defense, as much as they've improved, there are so many areas where I'm like, Baltimore should win here. They should win here. They should win doing this. And if they don't, I think it's going to be incredibly disappointing for them. Can I add anything to that? Yeah. I was going to, my follow-up was going to be if there's, is there a different tape from the Lamar numbers in the playoffs, but you sort of answered that. Yeah. Yeah. No, we answered everything yeah. in that one take. I'm going to this game because you are, yeah. I, I was it's planning cold. to take my son to the, with my with my parents, they we go to a game with them every year. I was planning to take them to the Steelers game, and then they weren't going to play. And we we're going to go anyway, but then it was raining and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I'll take you to the playoff game. Now the playoff game is here, and it's going to be like 12 degrees. And yeah. well, the Stroud boys are going to come for you after your take earlier. Anti-CJ. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm He's got, he is. They're not that Texans fans aren't like super, you know, massive and loud. Um, they're great, but you know, they're not one of the more aggressive fan bases. It's the Ohio state fans. Oh, you gotta worry about you don't I say. made them as, yeah, they, they will come out of the woodwork to defend CJ. If you, uh, you say anything, even mildly critical, they'll be fine. I mean, I feel, feel like the Texas fans, they've already won their super bowl. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Like this, this is a it's massive all, success. This is all, hey, let me ask, what's after icing right. cherries, whipped cream. Let's, it's It's after icing already. Let me ask you a question then. Uh, Sorry, Charlie, taking over a little bit. As, would you rather be a Texans fan or a Packers fan next year? Oh, Texans fan. We talked about this. So, like, uh, we, Barnwell asked an incredibly similar question. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Uh -uh. What was the question? We, Barnwell and I do tend to think alike. So yeah, it was, uh, it was basically, like, brighter future, Stroud or Love. And I thought Dominique was going to choose Jordan Love because of the institutional stability of the Green Bay Packers organization, and I was going to choose Stroud because of he's younger, his longer cost-controlled contract. He throws the ball beautifully. He's, he's like the Clay Thompson of football, where everything like looks perfect. Um, but honestly, I think it's I think it's it's Stroud because of the uh, AFC South also. So I think we're yep. going to agree vigorously. Yeah, I think it's the division. It's the youth of the quarterback. Um, I guess the pushback could be as we just talked about how their playoff win was largely predicated on the talent of the offensive coordinator. Uh, he's going to be gone soon, if not this year, next. I mean, I assume that he'll be out of there soon and that's a different situation, but I, I like what, I mean, it's hard to speak about a team's culture when you're not in there and they don't have a long uh, history of it, but D'Amico Ryan seemed like he got it figured out. That guy is really good at coaching football. I, I wish I, I, I talked about this a little bit 
on my Thursday today show, actually, uh, just some of the defensive adjustments he made. And I think it's important, like Dominique, you and I remember with the San Francisco had a few conversations about how he was like underrated yeah. as an in-game adjuster and innovative play caller. And I love his, I, I, I feel like, and this is going to be very relevant in this game. I don't know if there's a coach in football who I trust more to blitz at the right time than D'Amico Ryans. He's so good at picking the right moments and calling the right pressures. Um, and against Cleveland, again, some of the the changes that they made defensively were so smart. However, I do worry about Slowick moving on. And this is why, ultimately, you do tend to see a bias with guys, with teams hiring offensive coaches. Because if you have the play caller, he can just stay your play caller forever. Matt LaFleur is going to be Jordan Love's coach, you know, for a very, very long time. I was trying um, to figure out I'm a way to... definitive to, about that. Yeah. I was trying to figure out a way to ask a question about the offense versus the defense in Houston, but the answer is going to be skewed. So I'll just point out that the improvement on the defense is almost as impressive as the improvement on yeah. the offense. And we don't talk about it as much because it's not as easy to paint a story around one single player like the quarterback uh, on the other side. But And they've gotten better over the course of the season. Uh, and it's underrated, like part of how well they played. And that put that game away. They finished as the number one run defense in the NFL in the EPA per play. That's I shocking. I didn't know that. That is it's shocking. Absolutely right? shocking. Yeah. I mean, but they got better and they're yeah. good and they're young and that's coaching. They get better. They tackle. Yeah. They hit. Which are you <laughs> saying they tackle may mm. seem stupid, but if Fine. you watch the Eagles game, yeah. you are reminded that the fundamentals matter. I got, I got one more stride follow up. Dominique, this is like, he's been so good as a rookie and so far ahead of schedule. This part, like, I mean, there's almost no comp for it. Like maybe Andrew Luck, maybe Dan Marino. That's pretty much it for how efficient, how good he's been at this young of an age. Like it's, some of that has to be scheme of not agnostic, right? Like you can put, you can rotate the door of offensive coordinators and he's still going to be awesome. Yeah. I mean, you can see through the course of the year that he makes some throws and makes some plays that are just him being special. Yeah. Outside I, of it. Yeah. hundred percent. I think that that's more having the quarterback is more valuable than having the coordinator. If you have a quarterback at this level. So yeah, you're right about that. And he's starts to get comfortable with the things that he wants. And you evolve to a point where that all the greats do at some point where they are just as much involved in coordinating the offense as the coordinator is. So I'm not too concerned about the slow thing, but uh, uh yeah we're picking i'm picking nits because i'm we're comparing what i think are maybe like the two best like packers fans and texans fans are both in nirvana mm -hmm. right now like you both have young incredible quarterbacks who are doing plays both inside and outside of structure who are both operating very good schemes to perfection but also transcending those schemes at time um who both have really good head coaches like both ryan's and lafleur i would put at the top of the NFL right now. Like it is an awesome time to be a fan of either of these teams. We are picking nits. <laughs> uh, Ohio state fans, by the way, it's Fox for 24. If you want to oh, yeah. like someone, not me. Don't come for me. If you would like to waste your tweet on someone who gets on Twitter, maybe <laughs> once, twice, three times a week. Um, we'll never see it. <laughs> they got mad at me because I was like, uh, I praised like Nico Collins. Like I did a tweet that was like, CJ Stroud's been incredible, but like it's not like he's throwing the scrubs. Nico Collins and Tank Dell are really good. Oh, and they're like, how dare you say he's not elevating the offense? I'm like, literally, the point of this tweet is not about C it's about these two wide receivers who I think are really good. And yeah, 
I might get on it. I might get on Twitter this weekend and just search your mentions and and go through it. Just start blazing these dumb dumbs. It'd be fun. You could get my mentions about the Ohio State stuff, which is the funny, the funniest thing because I criticized Ryan Day last weekend and I have no following. Um, (laughs) Last, last, last topic. Rapid fire on this one. All right. Um, Who do you think wins Bucks Lions? Or if you don't want to answer that with just a prediction. Is there anything you find super compelling about this game? The thing I find super compelling about this game is I think that the Bucks might actually be a bigger threat to the 49ers than the Lions. Ooh. You said you want to rapid Why? fire, so I get no elaboration. No, I, I don't agree with that at Char- all. Charlie said rapid fire. That's it? You could you could explain uh, yourself in a rapid I manner. I wildly disagree. Uh, I, I disagree. think the Lions win. I think the Lions are actually an interesting matchup for the 49ers because 49ers are not that great in run defense and the Lions can run the football and the Bucks can't run the football for crap. I need you to explain. All right. So here's my explanation. I think that the Lions are better than the Bucks, and I think the Lions likely beat the Bucks this weekend. But my reason for saying that the Bucks uh, could be a better matchup for the um, 49ers is because... I wanted to get Charlie excited about a spicy take. No, we talked about this in the green room ahead of this. Don't go, don't cop out now. You no, can disagree I, with me I, on should this. I guess. No, no, no. I thought he was like waiting for me to guess or something. I, I no, was no, no, like, no. I, yes. I'm not copying out on me. Chaotic like, defense. I think the the middle of the Blitz. field players. Yeah, yeah. I think we always talk about what, interior linebackers. What have we had doing? this text I, discussion before? So now when I actually start explaining, when I when I played dumb, you ain't say nothing. When I actually start explaining what I was talking about in the green room, you cut me off. So middle of the field players, Winfield and the linebackers, yeah. those are the areas that those are the players that are attacked. That's the reason why I think that that defense could have a, a better shot. I don't feel very good about anything in the um the Lions defense, with the exception of Aiden Hutchinson, uh, Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers will be able to neutralize Aiden Hutchinson because he's only one player and they will be able to score on those corners who really struggle. So I think it's more about there being some sort of real defensive resistance. The, the few times that we saw a healthy 49ers team uh, struggle was because the interior players of the 49ers, the safeties and linebackers, or excuse me, of the Ravens, the safeties and the linebackers were able to compete in a way that no one else has that. So that's that's what it comes down to for me is that could slow them down some. And Baker has two really good receivers and Tristan Wirfs to protect him because he can block everybody on the line at the same time. That feels like it could be – yeah, that feels to me like it could be a, a scarier matchup for the 49ers. I don't think he really he's I could feel you kind of losing confidence in the take as you're not that I'm losing confidence in the take is that I don't think that they'll actually get there. But I do think that the I think they're going to lose to the Lions, but I think that the 49ers match up better against the Lions. I don't think either the Bucks or the Lions defense match up well with San Francisco. Um, I hear your points about the middle of the Bucks defense, but a corner they're they're just getting killed. They're getting killed deep. The, The Niners can kill them in a bunch of other ways as well. I do think that both the Bucks and the Lions have actually pretty good run defenses, which is interesting. Um, and they both play a lot of single high. So they're actually, there's some similarities. I like the Lions better just because I think the, you can't beat the 49ers unless you can score points in the 49ers. Like the best chance of beating them is pulling ahead, as we've discussed, or just keeping pace. And I actually do think this Lions offense, I don't think the Bucks line offense can keep pace with San Francisco or can succeed against San Francisco defense. I think Detroit's can said it all year long. The Snyder's defense is soft against the run. They just are. Uh, which, by the way, is going to be meaningful this weekend because Green Bay is very good at running football right now. 
Fair point. Both of them are not any match for the 49ers, though. I don't think either of these teams. Yeah, I'm like uh, us debating whether the Lions or the Bucks is a better matchup when neither of them is really a good matchup. But I, I mean, I, I stand by my my uh, belief because you know why? Because they're going to lose this weekend to the Lions, and then you'll I can never be right. have to. <laughs> I'll be yeah. right for eternity. <laughs> You'd be like, hmm. Bucks would have done better when mm-hmm. the Lions get blown out by San Francisco. Told you. <laughs> All right, what you got, Charlie? Before we go. I should have prepped you guys for this ahead of this podcast, but do we have something to announce about what you guys are going to do in Las Vegas on the Thursday before the Super Bowl for fans of this podcast, the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny, Bill Barnwell, Kevin Clark? Huh? I don't know. I don't think so. We are doing a live podcast taping from Las Vegas. News to me. You knew this. Where are we it's doing Thursday. this? It's, uh, it's at the Jimmy Kimmel Comedy Club, which... Uh, now it means something. It really didn't like four weeks ago. Uh, it's in Las Vegas on Thursday at 5 p.m. Uh, the link is bit.ly slash Mina Fox. And uh, tickets include food and merch. So you will get both of those things. If you come, we will all be there. Um, I haven't sent out the link yet. So if you're hearing this now, you're going to hear it before socials. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. And and Kevin and Bill will be there and we'll talk about the game. We'll probably take questions. I will not stand for this. Mina gets top billing. Mina and Fox. What did you think was going to happen? Flip it. Flip it. Fox and Mina. I want Fox Fox, first. Mina. Alf- alphabetical. Well, order. you could try entering that and see what happens. Not <laughs> Probably nothing will happen. So. Oh, man. I got a question for you before we um, move on to Roses and Thorns and in this episode. So, Mina, if you took a bagel out of the freezer and it was frozen... And you wanted to uh, cut the bagel in half. Would you try to cut it in half while it was frozen, or would you defrost the bagel and then cut it in half? Uh, you're asking an expert because I worked at Bagel Nosh Ooh. all through high school. I can cut a bagel so fast and so clean, <laughs> well, and you, def- you, I, you defrost I assume, it. You don't do it while it's frozen. Yeah, I, I assume you have bagel cutters at the bagel restaurant. We but, do have bagel cutters, but yeah. sometimes it's faster to use the bagel knife and just go. Whoosh. That's a pro. And look it's a cleaner that. cut. It's Ooh, a cleaner a cut because the bagel cutter kind of smushes the bagel a little bit and yeah. doesn't look quite right. If you have one of those serrated knives and you just go. I can, well, I mean, I let's cut, take, I, the, take the bandaid off so we can see how clean that cut is on Charlie's thumb because he thought, hey, let me cut a rock with a knife. It was, it was, um, partially, it was partially defrosted. I was just impatient. <laughs> I, was, I wanted the bagel faster. Second of all, is, so, is no one going to laugh at the irony? Of the three of us, I'm the one who cut my hand on a bagel who can't cut a bagel properly. <laughs> that you're the only one allowed to laugh at that irony. I will not. I do not see that as funny at all or ironic in any way. Everyone likes bagels. Charlie Kravitz. Yeah. Love bagels. Roses Same. and thorns. We're out. Thanks, Mina. You're the best. Bye. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, 
happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash df today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash df. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. How has Dominique been lately? Bad or good? Let's find out. This is Roses and Thorns. All right, time for your favorite segment with my favorite person, Roses and Thorns, my wife. Ashley Foxworth, this normally or used to start as you telling me like what my rose of the week and thorn of the week was. We don't do that anymore because I'm too terrible or too perfect. Either way, you got a rose of the week generally at the end of this. Are we still doing that or no? You want it at the end? Yeah. Maybe you'll have one by then or you do have one. Okay, I'm excited. I follow directions. He says save it for the end. I'm going to save it for the end. Hold on, you can't I'm say so I, follow, obedient. I follow directions <laughs> when, never mind. I really wanted to start by saying guess who's been Zach? Or like do the Mace version. Uh-huh. Guess who's back? Guess. Oh, because I wasn't here for one week. So I'm back. a rough week. Y'all thought you got rid of me, but you didn't. It was a rough week for all you of didn't. us. You didn't. So we're doing a little mailbag section today. First question, are either you, I know you're not going to like this question. Are either you participating in dry January? First of all, I don't know who's asking, and I feel like there's judgment associated with it because no, I'm not participating in dry January. Well, I said either. Yes, I am participating in dry January. Shout out to my dry January folks. What are we on? 19, 20? We almost and there, folks. I tried to dissuade him because I'm a hater. And I was like, just be damp. You know, I've actually read damp. research. <laughs> be damp. Listen, listen, listen. All of you oh, people who are dry, doing dry January, excuse me, who drank almost every night of the rest of the year, basically, at the end of the year, 
because of this one month of dryness, you're going to go right back to your normal drinking. And that's what you've taken now one twelfth of you're the days hater. off. What you need to do is go damp like me. I'm drinking like hater. half as much as I was. And that's something that's easier to carry over through the rest of the year. I'm going to cut my overall alcohol like... intake by 50%. You guys are going to cut yours by one twelfth. I don't know what percent that is. Like being a um, so yes, I am a hater. I feel yeah, judgment that's... associated with it. Good for you. If you're doing this dry January, like you have such discipline. Yeah, that's what that's, you, you should have started with that. And then we can go period. Good for you. You have such discipline. No, I have other things Good to job. say. First. Congratulations. I have other things to say. But first. You talk about damp January is just yeah. nonsense. The New York Times said that's more effective, and, doing, and I agree. Doing uh, your misinformation your misinformation campaign where you're like, uh, hey. I read it in the New York Times. Research says. That's real news. Okay. That's possibly true. Now, did I read the whole article or did I see the Instagram like <laughs> picture of it on my feed? Because I follow the New exactly, York Times. That's um, exactly how fake news works <laughs> is that your algorithm but it shows makes you so exactly. Sense. So much sense. Excuse me. It's possible. Like, I, right. Like when I explain it, you you agree, right? I don't. Sure. I, yeah. I, he knows. My point of but I'm proud January, of him. I'm proud it, of him. You're not. You're hating on it the whole time. I'm hating because like I've lost my at home drinking partner and I don't really <laughs> go out anymore. So drinking I do is at home. Um, but I'm proud of you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Do you I, feel like you're healthier? Is your skin glowing more? Are you no, sleeping better? No. I mean, I don't feel like any better than I normally feel because... It's just about discipline. Yeah, sometimes I like so to challenge come, myself. He's been talking about how he wants to work out more, but he doesn't do that. How come you didn't take that as your discipline challenge? I will. I'll add it on next. It's a step at a time. You got to prove it so to yourself. So you're not going to add alcohol back in? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Listen, he didn't drink at all until like four years ago, so I'm totally fine with sober Dominique. Like, I don't care. I can drink at home alone or when I go out alone. But it just feels like any little thing that brings you joy, if it's not detrimental to your health, Yes, because up. alcohol is not at all detrimental to your I health. I mean, if you're drinking in moderation. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I oh, don't yeah. know. Maybe it is. But I, I mean, my, my reason for doing Dry January wasn't as much about, like, I'm going to get healthy. It's like... Sometimes, I, like after during the pandemic, there's a little too much drinking, and then I yeah. was at home. Yeah. And there was a time when I didn't drink at all. Then there was a time when like I didn't drink if I wasn't out or something. And then there was the pandemic. We got to a point where it was like whatever liquor was in the basement. Yeah, it's like I was just drinking tequila <laughs> to play Xbox tequila, with my friends. Then it was bourbon. Sometimes I go yeah. be like, "Well, he drinks gin now." Okay, it's there. <laughs> my drum shampoo is gone. So then you just say, "Can you stop?" Sure, stop it. Maybe I'll never drink again. Please don't do that. I hate when people do that. Like, when people do that with meat, I'm like, but I just want to go get one more steak with you. You can't just stop eating. Nobody stop you don't, from doing anything I know that I you want to do. do it with you. Uh, I don't like steak that much. It's all right. I know. I mean, that was just an example. That was about my hairdresser who, like, stopped eating meat. And I'm like, but don't you want to go get a burger with me? Like, that's so selfish of you to not eat meat. Who am I going to have a burger with tonight? Um, and I invite him, like, to steakhouses oh, with me such, regularly. Such I'm a selfish. great joke, joke opportunity that I have to leave there because they would just cut it out anyway. Anyway, moving I'm right along. And I'm proud of you for doing Dry January. Whoop, whoop. What are we doing for February? Fornication February? Freaky Fab? Get it on. Fidelity February? I hope that's all year, but you know, <laughs> maybe nah, it's not. Only Black History Month. That's the only time. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. You got any mailbag questions? You seem like you really didn't like my joke. Uh, I yes, got... I have one for you. Okay. Andre 3000 is releasing. No. An IMAX experience for his flute album that you may or may not have enjoyed. If you got a free ticket, would you go? If I got a free ticket, would I go? It depends Let's on how long. Let's say it's two hours. Yeah, I knew he was going to say that, so I had yeah, to add a time. So, uh, That's like normal movie time. I feel like it might no, be three hours, though. I'll say no. I mean, I, I don't go see movies that I want to see, especially during football season. I just don't have time. Like, so much traveling, then I'm home. I watch movies in the basement with our kids sometimes. Sober. Yeah, sober movies in the basement with our kids sometimes. But I... 
I didn't like the album. It wasn't. I, I, but what I, if it's like a peek into his life? Yeah. Too? So like that's the thing. Why I was trying to imagine a way that it would interest me, but I don't care about his life. I like his music. Like I'm not. The, I don't know. There. I know there are different types of like, like a documentary fans. Yeah, I you don't, don't think care. he's interesting. I don't care. He's interesting. No, he is interesting, probably, but I don't care. Especially when you really like his music. Yeah, I really like his music. Well, not this music. It ain't for me. It's but you know what? Different. I'm going to be honest. I still haven't seen the Beyonce concert show, even though oh, I bought tickets to it, and I just yeah. couldn't make it. One of the kids was sick. Um, so I supported it because Queen Bee needs more of my money. Um, and I did see the concert twice, though. So like, But I still do want to see it. Like, I don't think I'll get to theaters. I don't even know if it's still in theaters. I think it is, but I'm not positive. But I'll probably see it whenever it's at, available at home. But like right now, today, I'm wearing a Lauryn Hill shirt that my brother and sister, brother-in-law and sister got me for Christmas um, because everyone knows I love, or my family knows I love Lauryn Hill. But like, if there was a documentary about her, I might also wait for it to come out at home. <laughs> like like so you know i might listen to her music once was, a week but you're right i may not rush to a documentary I, I guess i was trying to imagine what the documentary could be about that could be interesting to me and if it is based on this album then there's nothing that about it can be but like his journey to this place in his artistry maybe yeah, that's possible i don't that, that that's not a big screen experience that's not an imax because imax suggests like you're doing like nature and it's like yeah i'm good that ain't an imax imax experience but if you went on shrooms <laughs> i'm joking that seems it seems like you have to be on something to really yeah, maybe like i'm picturing it. like the imax you're right i didn't think about the imax part yeah. i don't like movies very much so it took me a bit to even realize imax something special i don't go very often um, i mean one time yeah. when it was way too loud <laughs> like i hated it i had a headache i was miserable um okay do you have another question i got one that i'm sure you're gonna dislike ashley yeah. any thoughts on changing your quarterback crush to somebody that wins like patrick mahomes <sighs> the fact of the matter is people don't understand that it has nothing to do with that or whoever wrote this question listen Okay, like when you say crush, like I don't have a crush on Jalen Hurts. I just really respect I didn't say crush. him. Whoever, I'm reading the question. Whoever phrased the question. But I always like, let's say if in the Super Bowl, I mean, they're not in it anymore, I know. But let's say hypothetically, if Jalen Hurts had met up with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson Super Bowl, I would still root for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Like, I really, I don't come on here talking about him all the time, but um, it's kind of like a joke. I really, really like the Ravens, I love the Ravens. They paid him is the largest reasons, but also, lar excuse me, largest reason. But it's also a really classy. We only got married because Ozzie Newsom told me to. Okay. Um, that's not true. I was pregnant. <laughs> that's why we got married. Um, it's also JK, LOL. <laughs> it's also. You can LOL, but you don't got a JK. Yet. That's why we got married when we did, let's say. Um, it's also a very classy organization. Right now, at this time, it's got, what, a black president, a black general counsel, um, John Harbaugh is not black. I don't got a black coach, but I really like him. A black quarterback room. Like, like there are a lot of things that I like about it. But Lamar Jackson, just like how he is, who he is, and he's like, my mama's going to represent me. Y'all going to pay me. Yeah. I'm going to wear my plaits how I wear my plaits. Um, I'm a I appreciate that you like that he wears in the way that he's going to wear them, but I... You would not allow anyone in our house to wear plaits like that because <laughs> I know that that's not a style that you like. The long hair isn't the problem as much as just that style. But anyway, you but like. Anyway, I know. So I'm just saying that that speaks to the fact that you are a fan of his version of authenticity, which is cool. Yeah, and I like that the Ravens embrace like their players' authenticity, like yeah. over the years, like. Anyway, I'll stop there. But like, I think that's great. So I yeah. love the Ravens. I'll always root for the Ravens. So I wouldn't say that I have a crush on any 
quarterbacks. I, Tell I have a crush on one former cornerback who is sitting right here next to me. Um, but Jalen Hurts is real attractive. I'll say it will be tough for me when I'm watching, um, rooting for the Ravens to beat the Texans this weekend with uh, a black quarterback, black coach combination. Especially, and like, never mind, it doesn't matter if people are attractive or not. But like, I <laughs> uh, will. Who are we talking about now? D'Amico? D'Amico's cute. Um, cute. But. Because I always like, like, that's how when I don't care who wins a game, I'm like, well, who has a black coach and or a black quarterback? And a black coach-quarterback combination is really hard to to root against. But I'm always root for the Ravens. Yeah, so. but they've already won their Super Bowl. The Texans, people thought, wouldn't even make the playoffs. I feel like at this point, they've that's already true. won a playoff okay. game. Okay, so, so I can they, be happy for them. You can be happy for them no matter how this game ends. They uh, still root for the Ravens. Yeah, they still have a One thing, a like, season. I want the Ravens to win, and I want the Ravens to go to Super Bowl so badly. And, you know, on here before, I used to joke, like, about how much much while well, I wasn't joking about how much I needed to go to Super Bowl but now that it's come I don't know like this I don't know that you would know this about me but I'm very like travel opposed yes, <laughs> um are. I like to sit my behind in DC um and so but I do like to get out other places sometimes but like when it's time to do it I get like anxious about it so now if the Ravens go um my son's birthday is he turns 11 on February 11th so the kids call it a golden birthday and it's the day of the super I know they're like kids. gotta make it more special than it already was um and it's, yeah, it's you guys are gonna come meet then us. We're out gonna there. meet you out there, and I'm like, Ooh, I really me. want the Ravens to win, but also, do I really feel like going? And like, if I go to Super Bowl, and you know, he's not very social, and he doesn't like network or have connections that he uses because he doesn't oh, yeah. network. But like, he could get us into some fun parties, like if he had a little like I push could. to do it. I could, um, but well, I can't go when I'm in Vegas with my son. Who, if I left my ten year old son, he'll be eleven. Well. Super Bowl Sunday. But if I left him in a Vegas hotel room by himself, he would probably end up like with hotel security because he was playing blackjack. Like maybe he would have still, it's like a home alone thing where he tried to look old, but, but I couldn't leave People him. People offer so. me things. I take it, but I don't ask for stuff. I don't like, I he just, doesn't ask for anything. Yeah, I don't like that. It's Nothing. like a tough thing. No to information, no yeah. things, no access. On a loan, die alone, as my man Nas said, when you just take everything that I can get, I can get it myself. We Except do it. Except for with me. What? You're going to, Gonna die together? You got plans that I don't know about? I mean, I hope not, but we're gonna not drinking that be together forever. So but we're gonna leave one at a time. Unless you got a strategy. You gonna poison us? But if you die first, then I'm gonna be by your side. But you gonna be by my side on earth. I'm gonna be in the ground somewhere. Cremate me, by like, the way. I'm looking all weird. That's not fun. All right, okay. last question. All right. My wife recently sent me an article from Business Insider explaining how Birkin bags increase in value, sometimes 38 percent in a year. Should we consider buying one as insurance or am I getting got? You're getting got. Anyway, what's your question? I mean, what's your answer? Even I would say if if you can afford to buy a Birkin bag as yeah. insurance, you can afford to buy the Birkin bag. And if you're going to do that, do that. But like I think those stats are true. But like the more used they are the more damaged they are like when you buy art that you like or anything that you like that could be an investment you like it so you're probably and it's classic and it's something that will maintain its value because it's classic you'll probably never she'll probably never want to just say like you know what okay you can get rid of it like I, I I know that that is true and I think that there is some like data that proves that but like when they're sitting like in dust bags protected not being used yeah, um, I mean I think it's 
if you can afford a Birkin bag, then you probably do not need this as an investment vehicle. If it's a stretch for you, then you should not consider it as an investment vehicle because most of the time when you're like, there's two things that you want to think about specifically when you invest in like how easy is he it? He went to business school, y'all. Can y'all tell? Mm, go ahead. <sighs> Whatever. How easy is it to liquidate? Ooh, liquidate. That's a fancy word. Sell. <laughs> and like how risky is it? And I think like when you're, Carrying it around, there is some level of risk that it gets stolen, ripped, or lost, or whatever. Maybe you can ensure it, it'll be fine. But also, like saying that it goes up in value and actually selling it, like art, like the yeah. value can change. So, like, in your your net worth has gone up by what, 38%. But then you got to find somebody to buy it. And if you are, like, it's the type of investment that's hard to move. I mean, that's the thing about the stock market is you can and it's quickly. like if you're just buying one like okay if you spent if you invested all of your money into Birkin bags and then you <laughs> flipped it and you made 30 percent but if you're buying one that 38 percent maybe equals like three thousand or something like I don't know what it is but just invest somewhere else like yeah. like just invest less risk but more somewhere else you'll be all right um, I'm really disappointed in him guys because I saw his card and I set up a nice transition for him talking about Super Bowl because I saw on his card he had a Super Bowl related question oh, look at you. um and he didn't even he didn't even catch what i was throwing out so anyway better it is than me i know right do you want me to do my rose sure give it to me it's that i was not doing dry january over the weekend into the beginning of the week when my kids had snow days because (laughs) that would have been really sad if i was home sober with them particularly while he was away in new york so that's my rose for the week that i didn't do dry january and i'm gonna cut my drinking in half more than those of you who did it's not a competition. Congratulations. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Nice job. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. All right. Thank you, Charlie. You're the man. Thank you for Mina for joining us. Of course, thanks, Ashley, for doing Roses and Thorns. Thanks to Podville for this great studio space and all my great producers. Cortez, first this time, Kevin, Brian, Serafina, and Megan. Get well. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. 